Hi, I'm Will, and thanks for listening to my blog post. The content calendar is killing your social marketing. It's often said that to succeed in content marketing, you must be one of two things, useful or entertaining, because by being one or both of these, you're adding value to people's lives. Sadly, most content marketing is neither of these, and therefore has no value to the people it lands in front of. It's just crappy promotional noise that no one really wants in their feeds, inbox or life. The main reasons for this stem from the fact that most marketers today are still playing by yesterday's rules. They're working on assumptions they made in 2012 and have not since revisited. These assumptions are many, but they include things like ask a question in social because people will always engage with you, jump on topical moments because regardless of relevance, people will engage with you, and make a content calendar to manage the huge amount of content we have to post to be present in our various social media channels. Now, of course, questions and topicality can work really well, but when applied with the assumption that they'll just magically achieve results without the need for creative quality or insight, we get things like this. And this is a tweet from Bet365Bingo asking, what's your favourite part of a full English breakfast? Showing a disturbing image of an English breakfast in which the beans are contained within a large leaf of iceberg lettuce. Maybe that's the genius of the piece that, you know, it's a re there's a real talking point there, uh, this kind of heinous aberration of a breakfast. Anyway, um, the point is that this example from three, Bet365 is a, it's a classic piece of inane and pointless social media content that the world just really doesn't need. You know, if this is your brand's contribution to the internet as a whole, it might be time to have a fundamental rethink of what the marketing team are doing and what their wider objectives are. Another example here is uh, a tweet from Perrier. It's a bit less heinous, for sure. Uh, some thought has gone into this animation, which riffs on Banksy's self-shredding artwork stunt back in uh, late 2018, uh, in which uh, a framed piece of art started to shred itself the minute it was sold at a uh, one of the world's premier auction rooms. Now, fine, okay, but to me, this feels like a social agency filling the calendar that they agreed to fill for so many dollars or pounds per month uh, to drive engagement around their client's brand. And whilst it's quite nicely executed. I don't think anyone behind this is asking, is this of inherent value to the person it lands in front of? Because the answer is no, it's not. So what I often say to my delegates and clients is do less brilliantly. <laughs> now that's a very easy thing to say, and it is very easy for me to say. You know, I don't run an agency anymore. I don't have the pressure of keeping the lights on, keeping staff paid. So therefore, keeping those clients retained and paying us every month. But I've been there and I've churned out content because someone agreed to do it for a monthly fee and the world will just fall apart if we don't keep feeding the social media beast. Now, in hindsight, what I really wish I'd done in those early years of social media marketing was ask these questions. Firstly, is this of real value to people out there who don't care about the brand the way that we do? And the test is, if we didn't work here, would we be genuinely happy to see this land in our feed 
or our inbox, our digital experience? Would, it, would we be happy to see it show up? Again, the answer to most of those questions around uh, branded social content is, is almost always no. I wouldn't really care about it if I didn't work here. Uh, but it's a very, very important question to ask. Secondly, is that value intrinsic regardless of where it came from? The Michelin Guide is a really good example of this. Obviously, we know what the Michelin Guide is today, but back in 1900, it was the purest version of itself. And actually, back then, it was the, uh, the best example of content marketing and remains one of the best examples of content marketing because it was launched in 1900. It was given away for free and it was just it was just inarguably useful. And drivers who were early adopters back then, and there was very little information for them, they found it very, very useful, and they kept it in their glove box. And it didn't matter who it came from. It said Michelin on the cover, but it really didn't matter who it came from. The thing was just downright useful. And so people trusted the guide. They developed a relationship with the guide, and therefore they trusted the brand and had a relationship with the brand. It's very simple. And I still meet marketers today in 2019 that hear about this kind of approach to content marketing and say, but hang on a minute, surely the brand's going to get lost and people will just take this thing that I've invested in creating and they'll just take it and walk off and forget who created it and not show up in my ROI calculations. That's, that's to a point true. But that's an incredibly short-sighted way of looking at content marketing. Your job is to develop trust, to develop love for your brand. And the Michelin Guide did that by being generous and creating something that was of intrinsic value to the people it was aimed at, regardless of where it came from. So run that test on your content marketing and see if you, you, know, you pass it in the way that the Michelin Guide does. The third question I wish I'd asked more was should we just stop for a minute? Should we just stop churning stuff out and ask what the most ambitious version of this content that we're creating could look like if we just stopped churning out the kind of everyday stuff for a, a while? Is one high impact thing better than just a drip drip of content? You know, what could we achieve if we cancelled a month of crappy social posts and just for example, created one awesome film instead. Now, unfortunately, the presence of a content calendar just doesn't push you towards those bigger, more impactful pieces. What it actually does is it encourages anyone who looks at it to just fill in all these white squares, ASAP, glaring out at you from Excel. You know, you've got a spreadsheet that's 30 rows wide, each row for a day of the month, Five, six, seven, eight, who knows, rows deep for each of the channels, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, etc., etc. You might have well over 100 white cells to fill in. And what that leads to is a protracted drip feed of just the weakest tea imaginable rather than a damn good coffee. Because it, it what it really promotes you to do when you sit in front of a content calendar, you want to just fill it with those colored cells and fill it up and make it look like a living, breathing thing and show the client that you've got this really rich, thought out uh, plan of that's lit up all over the place, left, right and center. Of course, the reality of the outputs of that tends to be just a whole slew of social posts that have absolutely zero engagement and achieve nothing 
for anyone, for the brand, the agency, or the people's careers um, who, are, who are working for uh, either of those. So in an algorithmically driven digital world, we've got to create less content with higher impact. Don't try and sneak in marketing messages. Just create media of any sort that has true value to the people who will love it the most. And then just get it in front of them. Simple, right? Well, that's all for this post. Um, I'd love to know what you think on Twitter. My handle is at Will Francis. You can read and listen to more at willfrancis.com. And I hope to see you again soon. Goodbye.